Microphone check. One, two, what is this? It's the five foot seven assassin in the podcast business. I am your host, Rohan Patra, the rap music plug at your service. The Rap Music Plug podcast presented by QLC TV is the remedy to the I don't have anything good to listen to problem. Through in-depth album and song reviews, as well as artist interviews and general rap commentary sprinkled in between on all of what the mainstream and underground rap scenes have to offer, this is your one-stop shop to knowing what to add to your queue, play next, or pop into your record player. Welcome to the show. What is up, family? I am back with a bonus episode that I recorded on February 3rd with my friends over at Free Music Empire who graciously invited me over to their show and specifically their series, State of the Game, where we discussed the bold albums that were created recently by Hus Kingpin and Portis Hus, Pharaoh Mach and his 13 project, and then finally Nick Caution's latest effort. So our action for that day was to determine, okay, these artists made a lot of interesting decisions with their approach to these albums. Did they pull it off or no? And I think overall we got into a lot of great analysis. I love those guys over at Free Music Empire because they're hilarious, first of all, but they also bring a lot of interesting and insightful analysis to hip-hop music in a way that actually makes you think about it and listen to it with a new and fresh perspective so check them out i'll have the link in the description for where you can find their content and otherwise enjoy live from the apocalypse state of the game is back i am your host dan o and if i'm telling the truth i spent the last two days in a detroit pistons throwback dennis rodman jersey (laughs) regret nothing my co-host, the original, he was swimming in GameStop stock before this popped off. Okay? Light as a feather, heavy as a brick. Kate Diggy, thank you for joining me. My, my co-host, my, my guest, we have an incredible guest. Um, he's, he's better at doing the Dougie than anyone could imagine, but that's not why he's, he's here. He is the rap music plug. He has the rap music plug podcast. He, he's working the beat the same way we are, hitting the best music and just shouting about it. Um, and and so glad to have him here to shout with us. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for for having me on. I really respect what you guys do out there uh, with the Free Music Empire and been really loving the particular just the analysis that you guys give. You definitely are. <laughs> Yeah, similar to what I try to do, where I try to just go past like the, oh, it's dope, oh, it's whack, and actually try to give some real depth to why something is the way it is. Uh, so, yeah, no, I'm really happy to, to have you guys on, or to right. be on you, and, your show, sorry. <laughs> and I think we have a similar thing in terms of we're looking, we're looking at this from the buyer's perspective of like, I consume this stuff, here's why it was great, you know? I'm not trying to write a thesis about it, I'm not mm-hmm. trying to like get my Proust quotes off or anything. (laughs) I just want to like be here, be engaged 
and be excited for people who are doing great stuff in their career um, and help other people find, them. you know, that's mm -hmm. uh, so and we've got some, this is the crossroads episode. We've got a lot of people at the crossroads here. Um, see to, so it's the three albums we did are um, anywhere, but here by Nick caution. Cortis Huss by Huss Kingpin and Pharaoh Monch's new album. I want to get it right. I hate the title. Uh, a Magnificent Day for an Exorcism. Not um, a fan? I just hate the title. I just, I just, it's, it's so, it's so cheeky. It's so needlessly cheeky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it kind of fits the album though. Like it's in a, like a cheeky, yeah, kind of weird kind of way. A little goofy. So, I was going to launch into this and just say, wrote like, just drop some data points some Feral Monch data points on us. What is your relationship with Monch's music? How deep are you with it? Uh, how did this album strike you? Uh, success or no success kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll say starting with my relationship with Monch, obviously like most rap fans, I'm obviously well-versed with organized confusion. So uh stress that album like right. amazing amazing and much obviously a huge part of that reason being why uh outside of that his solo solo work like internal affairs is definitely one that i really like and i liked the uh ptsd album which is i definitely was trying to re-listen to uh in preparation for this because that is also i don't i actually don't know his age on the top of my head but he's he was well into his career. It was like 2014. So he was already an aging veteran at that point. So yeah, I, have a, I would say like a moderate medium. I wouldn't say I've listened to every single, like analyzed every single verse of his, but he's one of the best for sure. And with this album, so I feel like Monch, the way he took this, what he was trying to do, I feel like he's at the age where all these that only really the elite rappers get to get to the stage where I kind of dub it like the passion project phase. So they're older, established, respected, nothing else really to prove in the sense that they don't need to. Yeah, they don't they don't need to answer to anybody but themselves and what they want to do creatively. So they're free to experiment without the weight of expectation. And I find like there's artists like Jay-Z. I find 444 was a really good example of that where he kind of went in left field and got way more personal and yeah, just made an album that kind of blew me away in terms of the, the framing he went for. I don't think it's his best, but I think it's like probably even potentially top five. So definitely good. But then like, I think of other people like Goody Mob, like, I don't know if you guys checked out survival kit uh, last year. Yeah, I tried. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know. I actually don't know your thoughts on this because I'm not aware of it, but that's an example of where I just didn't really like it. I just feel like they went for like this kind of like Southern rock infused kind of flavor and trappy, just more modern feeling. And it just sounded strange. Like I was open-minded, it just sounded strange. But so Monch, I find he's kind of in like, I find him in the middle because I think the decision to go in this like rap rock very fiery political way i think it worked it worked really well i think for the most part i think like particularly the rap rock fusion worked well when there's like a lot of heavy grooves 
and the political commentary very fitting for today's day and age so i thought it was really solid his rapping has never fell off ever so that goes without saying flows ridiculous all that stuff right uh but i don't think he fully sticks the landing i i think particularly like i'm, I'm trying to actually pull up the track list but it was around the time after fight or really scarecrow it's like the last half of the album i find it was a little more spotty than i would have liked it's still good like there it's not like it didn't fall off a cliff but there was some songs where i was like i didn't, it didn't need to be there in my opinion so that, that's like kind of my what i feel in a nutshell there's a really good blueprint for this I, I think you hit a lot of of things that i definitely want to expand on with that uh so for anyone watching listening to this who isn't really organized confusion like certified that is that is the album right that stress right that is that it, it was a, a game changer right and uh, Keith you remember the the I gave you power Nas song where he talks about the gun from the perspective of the gun yeah that's yes. a classic yeah yes. Monch beat him to that Monch had that song before him and it's better so <laughs> That's hard to say about Nas in like 96, right? I mean, that's, right. uh, but Maj was like that. On stress, he was just, uh, he was fantastic, but he is one of these guys, and we'll get to this with caution as well. He's one of these guys who kind of doesn't like his reputation that much. Mm. He doesn't really love the like rap God thing because he's not making rap god money but he gets the rap god respect so it's it's weird right and then people want you to keep making what they like um so this is an album that's born kind of from that and i have i have more tidbits uh based on interviews that i've seen with him what was your reaction to the uh to the album to the magnificent day for an exorcism so i mean one I was shocked because I just did a wiki search of him. Uh, he was 48 years old. I did not. October 31st, 1972. I did not know that he was 48 years old. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of that's kind of astounding. I mean, to me, uh, that he's still. Honestly, rapping. it's depressing. It's depressing. <laughs> I'm eight years younger. He's that's literally depressing. double my age. That's depressing. I'm 25. He's, that is I I am tough. I am so much more disheveled for knowing that fact. Thank you. <laughs> it, it is what it is. I mean, the, <laughs> still, he. I mean, he doesn't rap like a four. I would imagine a forty-year-old, forty-eight-year-old would rap. Um, you know, uh, I mean, he still has that lyrical dexterity uh, of of someone like half of his age and. So getting to the album, um, I mean, I, I I liked it. I think I think that I liked it. I really I I've been saying for years that I'd like you know more live instrumentation in rap, or you know, there's there's always something special about rap music uh, that has live instrumentation. Um, so I, I thought that that gave it like a different type of pulse. Uh, than we're usually accustomed to from a rap album in uh, 2020 slash 2021. So, but but with that said, it just, 
it, it was a cool album. Like I, I liked it, but I don't think I would go back to it. It's it's an interesting listen. I mean, I and and my my routine this week was, you know, I knew we had this on Wednesday. Every day, I woke up and I listened to these albums, and I listened to them. Munch, Caution, Huskingpin. Yep. And I listened to Munch first because I knew it would wake me up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew yeah, it was going to wake call. me up. <laughs> and I, I didn't hate it. I was never, I never dreaded pressing play. It's, it's a fun album. And, and when it's, but it's an experiment. Mm. It's an experiment. And as a listener, you have an obligation to understand that, to set your standards, right? This is an experiment. Um, Monch did an interview on the Dad Bod Rap Pod that I recommend highly. Uh, he got real personal with it. And he said he walked out of uh, Mad Max Fury Road, like, I want to write. I, w- I need to make more shit. Like, he was really excited to create because of that art. And that you can feel that kind of connective tissue that he wanted to do something different, but take chances. He didn't want to just report on his life. Mm. He wanted to, to create a story out of what's going on. And I appreciate Does that. that. Make sense? I, yeah. Yeah. And I think he, I think he did a pretty good job on that. And I think lyrically was, was definitely one of the, the, the strongest points of the album because like his particular kind of role in this uh, contributions i think that was always usually the strength or at least always pretty good on the album it's mainly kind of like a songwriting issue or just like a un like it just like i don't know what you guys but the like the way the album ended was just strange to me because it ended with amnesia which was like that's like that was a gorgeous song. Like it's very sentimental. It didn't, it wasn't really like the rest of the, the album. And I was like, damn, Mosh, like this is really beautiful. The, the, the production was gorgeous. Like the percussion, the, the drumming was ridiculous. And then it ended like that. And I was like, Oh, that's a perfect closer on my first listen. And then I'm like, wait, there's another song. And it was just like, that was definitely my least favorite too. But even if it wasn't, and it was like six, 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 six level, which I like that right. song. I was like, yep. I just didn't get the point of it. It kind of just felt a little disjointed towards the end. Okay, yeah. Diggy, the person who has the best quote on that is uh, is Madam Money. I love her YouTube reviews. Uh, mm. <laughs> and she, I sent, I sent the link in the thing. And during the review, she makes, you. she can't hide her face. When she hates something or doesn't like it or doesn't get it, her face is so great. And she said, you know, amnesia, and it's well named because it's like he forgot what the rest of the albums sounded like. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I say, oh, that's mean, but it, you know, it's fair. Like yeah. it, when you when amnesia starts, you're like, what? Is it? what? Like you just had two songs that had kill in the title, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's so true. Yeah. Kill, 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 kill him again. Kill, kill him, kill him. And now we're like, fight. And now we're like, she woke me up. And I was like, baby. I'm like, well, what, is this? what is happening now? Um, it's That's an experiment, right? He's experimenting. He's all over the place. Uh, 
Diggy, did you feel it gets disjointed? And if so, where did you feel it get disjointed? Um, I mean, I think it's it feels like a long listen to me. Like I enjoyed some parts of it, but it just felt like near the near the end, like I I was just like, okay, when is this going to end? Like when are we? It just felt like a really long, like long list long listen to me. Um mm-hmm. I would say, let me let me get the track listing out uh, to see. I think it was really, it kind of lost me around, probably around, probably around racist. Yeah, number, yeah that's track a fair eight. point. That's, that's like the point. exact point where it started to as well for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, and I just, I mean, I really loved, I love track number four, six, 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 three, six word stories. Uh, but then, yeah, I mean, then it just, I just like near, near by the end of racist, I was like, uh, okay, let's get this, let's get this over with, man. Like I get, I get what you're trying to do. I hear you. Ro, do you think this could have been an EP? I'm looking at the track listing right now. I would cut racist. I would cut amnesia. Um, I cut one of the kill songs. Pick your favorite kill song. Leave the rest. <laughs> um, I I I cut fight. To be honest, fight is so oh, generic okay. to me. That I I'm okay. So obviously I'm the youngest one here. I was assuming you guys would just like it's Cypress Hill. I'm assuming that like I don't have I the same Cypress. connection with them. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought the song was okay, but it was generic. Just, generic yeah it just felt like a yeah. like a, a fight protest ish song and i was like like lyrically it lyrically again content wise i'm all for it it was just not really like i feel like to go to what what k diggy was saying there earlier i felt it was just like long-winded it was like i was just like you already kind of said what you said in the first half of the album and i find like it could have just ended around there like to answer your other question about the ep I still think it could have been an album. Like I, I really like the first six songs, like mm. either like, like it or really like it. Fight was unnecessary. Racist was kind of unnecessary. Oxygen was, was pretty cool. I didn't really like kill them all again. So that could have been gone. And I, I actually like amnesia. Like I actually like it. And I was like, if it is going to like completely not fit the album, at least just be the ending. So it's kind of like, you could almost see it, Like it's like kind of this like, tumultuous torment of an album and then you kind of just get this like beautiful ending it's like kind of just ends it on a note even though it's not really doesn't really make sense theoretically but then kill 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 i want that all so like maybe cut like four or five songs would have been way tighter i think it would have been like much stronger much stronger that's a good that's a good point you cut this thing down to eight or nine songs and because my i don't know my favorite song on this is goten I think Goat's Head is great. That's a great song. I, <laughs> I I think, you know, first of all, I don't think, I wasn't really a big fan of 13's contribution to the production on this, to the sound, because you can catch it on songs like Magician. It kind of just sounds like everyone's playing everything really loudly, you know? <laughs> all right, guys, let's go. And, you know, um, and that's kind of, you know, it said like it doesn't sound like anything it released now, but it does sound like something released in 07. You know, 
Yeah, uh, it's not a bad point. You know, new danger. Um, you know, post lip biscuit rap rock yeah, stuff. New danger. Right? I didn't even think of that. That is pretty yeah. similar. Yeah. So it's it's it has that that feel to some of the songs that it needs to shake, but there's high points, man. Amnesia is really good. It's really well written. If it wasn't attached to this, I think everybody would really enjoy yeah. it a lot more. Yeah. Um, but even if it was, if we cut out the filler and we get it to like nine songs, and you get a surprise amnesia at the end. So that's a pretty good album. Yeah. I have a question. So he said he was inspired by Mad Max Fury. Yep. Did that come out? That came out like three years ago, right? Or something. He's been working on this for a bit, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think oh, at okay. least two years. Yeah. Yeah. Years. So. Right. It, it, the other thing is, and, and that's how Manji is, right? He he doesn't have a lot of albums. He releases he releases albums, and they're they're good. They're good. They're interesting. Desire is really interesting. Uh, PTSD is really interesting. That's what he does, and he's a little underrated. I talked to Sharif about that, and he really enjoys he enjoys this album too. Um, yeah. So I mean, he, I just googled it. It said that Mad Max Fury came out in 2015. So he's yeah. been working. I don't know if he's really said anything since 2015, but he's been working on it for five years. He's been working on it. I mean, it. it one of the things he said on Dad Bod Rap Pod that I thought was fascinating. Uh, he said he was in an elevator with what, Nas and uh, Yasin Bey and, and just they were they were at some show they were doing all together. And he was like frustrated. He had just dropped desire and he was like, people are getting it. People don't understand. And Nas said, Hey, these albums are like children. Like, you just gotta watch them grow. And I and he said he never forgot that as advice, and that is clearly present in this album, right? He's he's taking chances, and he's like, you can hate it now, but a year from now, two years from now, you might be bumping this. You know, this mm. might survive on a different level. So, who knows? Um, but I can't be mad at it because we can't keep yelling at artists for making the same album and then yelling mm -hmm. at artists for taking chances. Well, I feel like the, yeah, I feel like if the chance, I feel like with experimentation, it just like it needs to feel authentic. And this a hundred percent felt authentic. This felt felt like Monch really felt these things that he was saying in the lyrics and the sound is like, yeah, I mean, it's different from him, but his performance, it didn't, it didn't surprise me. It was impressive, but it didn't really surprise me. It was like, he's done like very theatrical kind of like uh, deliveries for his whole career. So I was like, I think this, it fit. Uh, thinking of your point you made earlier about like the, the production contributions of the 13. So yep. Daru Jones and what's his name? Machado, Marcus Machado. Is that it? Anyways, Ma Marcus Machado. Yeah. Uh, I think like there's times in the album where you can see the musicianship because these guys are seasoned, like veteran pros. And when those hit, like they really hit. Like I think Amnesia, there's so much things in just the quality of the drumming. There's other ports with the points where the guitar is just super super well utilized but i just think it's lacking to, like i feel like it's lacking a personality at times it just or it's like yeah. a direction it's just 
really well played music and at times that works and other other times i'm like this is a little drab or just okay there's nothing really unique about this and i feel like that's kind of where their contributions fell uh flat at times yeah i mean and i think that's the thing when you work on an album for five years the longer that you're creating songs like the more editing that's required uh to keep the cohesion because i'm sure some of these songs were recorded you know max uh max fury came out 2015 so i'm sure he saw the movie went and started recording in 2015 then he did some songs in 2016 maybe 17 18 19 you know that's a lot of time that passes uh for for like a musical artist uh so if you're going if you're if you've been working on an album for five years that requires more editing uh requires more hard decisions in order to keep the the music created in each of those years cohesive right well and, and I, yeah i mean it, it's it, it, you're right i think i think you're very right that if the, if if there's a failure in this album it's in the edit right it's not in the it's not in the culmination of the stuff it's deciding what what stays and goes mm -hmm. um and that's okay right it, like it's um yeah i think it got like a 5.9 or a 5.5 on pitchfork yeah uh, i mean that's too low for me by a lot they were not into it and i yeah. i yeah i i certainly don't agree with that um but it is you know, it, he he took a swing. I, if Monch were here and he were asking my advice, I would say you have a better singing voice than you have any right to have. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, he does. You know, like it doesn't make sense. You're able to somehow roar and then sing. I hate you, but like <laughs> he does it and he's really good at it. He should capitalize on that. He should capitalize on. I'm glad you brought that up because that was something that was the part that genuinely surprised me because I knew the concept or the how it was going to be with 13 and all that. So I wasn't that surprised, but I was really surprised by the, the 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 catchiness when this did get catchy. It was fucking catchy. The hooks. Yeah, Monch, Monch was destroying the, these hooks like track two. I don't remember how it went in my head, but it, that one I noted down was incredible. Amnesia, as I mentioned earlier. Like he was roaring, soaring on these these hooks. These aren't like because uh, I find like a lot of times in rap a lot lot with the melodic rappers or people who try to sing. Like I have no problems when they sing off key. It's kind of relatable. Kind of yep. I like it honestly. Yep. But he actually is singing legitimately good, mm -hmm. like a real soulful sing singing. I was like, damn man, I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah, hard. no, he's got he's got to get he's got to figure out how to utilize that. I think. Some people probably disconnected from the content in the sense that he's doing like a, he's trying to use horror imagery to address issues of today, right? Uh, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. Uh, but it was, and it, it may that may be new to him, but it's not new to what other people are doing, right? Like there are other people out there who are like bending their stuff towards that um, and, and doing it kind of better. Yeah. I mean, what I'll say is 
there was like one of the songs, there was like a line uh, that was really, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way because I didn't, I didn't really have any context for it. It was about racist. It's in racist. Yeah. Yeah. I yep. think you know what I mean, but Smoking. I didn't have any context of it because I think the way he raps is it's very, it's very subtle. Like you have to really like lean in and listen, but the instrumentation on the album was like so overpowering that I wasn't able to really lean in and listen. So that way, like I wasn't able to understand what he was like the vision that he had for the album because of, you know, how overpowering the, the instrumentation was. Yep. Yeah, no, it's, it's weird. And it's, there's like <laughs> that, which I don't know, makes me think of the Nick caution because uh, to, to kind of segue a bit, the Nick caution has a song like amnesia that I don't think belongs on it. That's smack dab in the middle of it. Um, and it was just weird to have both albums doing that. Um, so w w the, um, how familiar are you with Nick Caution, uh, K Diggy? And what is, what is it? Uh, I've never heard of them. No? Uh, before, before I listened, yeah, I've never heard of any of these artists before I, I listened to them. Okay, he's in the pro era crew, Joey yep. Badass's crew. Yep. Um, Joey Badass's crew is thick with people who like everybody picks to be the next big guy, like <laughs> uh, CJ Fly, Chuck Strangers. Um, and it's just, I mean, Capital Steve's was amazing when he was oh, alive. Yeah. Uh, but when he, those guys are all really talented, but there's a reputation they have as just having not gotten to where they need to get to. Right. Right. Um, having kind of been right on the bridge to being great, but not stepping over. And Nick caution, uh, he released an album called Nick at night. Maybe he thinks it's a mixed mixtape. It's hard to tell what anybody thinks. Here. Cause I've heard people say this is his debut. I, I don't know. Nick at night was a, was a real album. It was 2017, and it was dope. It was quite good. And I mm -hmm. began to think of Nick Caution as the most complete, not Joey Badass element uh, on Pro Era. Um, mm -hmm. But he had an album in 2019. He was called Low Y. That really wasn't my thing at all. Um, and his stock has been up and down in the public eye. And anywhere but here, his new album uh, is is to me it's as bold as Pharaoh Monch's album in a different way. Monch's mm. okay. album, album was bold because it was taking real life and pulling it through, like pulling it through a horoscope, right, and trying to keep it real at the same time. Anywhere but here, it, to me, it's bold because he stares down his audience and he talks to them and it's not always nice. Mm. Um, I have lyrical examples, uh, but okay. how did you feel about the album, uh, Rohan? Yeah, so when you when you invited me to talk and you're telling me about the albums first like i read it i don't know what the order of it is but i read huss i read 
launch and i was like that's sick i have so much things to say i've been bumping these like non-stop when we were talking this album i definitely wasn't listening to until obviously we were going to do this i i personally don't agree with the idea like i know i agree with the idea the framing about people always pick the pro air artist to be like the unsung hero next one to pop and i agree with that but i would give that honor more to like a cj fly in particular but also kirk knight he had a oh, kirk knight. project a, a really long time like i think it was three four years ago the cover was red I'm, yep. it's escaping me but it was a pretty solid like i like the production but cj fly's album last year was actually quite good it i think it was called rude boy um mm-hmm. if not that was a song it was like a lot of it was jamaican heritage mm-hmm. and i think it was Rude that, boy. static right. i think i think yep. static produced the whole project I think if not like a vast majority of it and it was great. I think it was, or like good. I think it was pretty good. Um, Nick caution. I've listened to his projects, but not really too much because I've not found anything special with him. Like nothing incredibly intangible, that intangible it factor. And so with this album, I just feel like it solidified that for me because I, he's one of those guys. It's very similar to dreamville in that way. There's a lot of people, uh, maybe to a lesser extent, because I do like Boz, but people like Boz, mm-hmm. uh, that fundamentally on paper, there's nothing wrong. And I have nothing wrong. There's nothing bad about this album, but there's nothing differentiating him from his contemporaries in pro era, but just outside of that group. Because I find like I can feel, I mean, I find like I can hear better versions of the different types of styles he incorporates on this album. I can hear better versions by other artists. And that's mm. kind of the, the unfortunate thing because it didn't really change my mind. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Diggy, how did you feel? Were you in a similar boat? I mean, I, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a big fan of Joey badass, but I, I, I bought his first, his debut album and I, mm. you know, I've heard some of his mixtape stuff. So I'm familiar with like the pro era sound, I guess you could say, like they have their own musical aesthetic. So I was really, I really dug their musical aesthetic. Um, And I mean, the song Anywhere But Here, actually the title track was, that was actually the first song that came out this year that I actually played a couple of times. I mean, I really liked that song. Mm -hmm. Uh, But other than that, like, I mean, you're right like i you can't there's nothing he doesn't have like a distinguishing feature about him that makes him stand out to me i i he is a great i shouldn't say he's a great he's a he's a solid he's a very good rapper right um yeah but there's something missing that it's like you know if you're marketing yourself what's the thing that distinguishes you from other rappers what can i like you and I say, what can I only get from you that I can't get from another another rapper? And I can't point my finger. I can't put my thumb on what it is that I can only get from him. That's a that's a really good point. That's yeah. a really good point. And I think you actually the way you described it too, it reminds me a lot of so like I started the podcast, uh, the podcast I currently host in uh, August of last year. But I actually, it was more, it was about music and it was 90% of the episodes were rap music. But 
I was also trying to cover politics and sports. I did one episode on something related to the mm-hmm. NFL and then a couple political episodes. And I like those things, but I had the same problem that I quickly realized is that people don't have anything that they go to me for specifically. It's just, oh, he talks about all these things and therefore you're a master of none. And that's kind of the master of none ideas is exactly what I thought of. I even wrote it down. It's, it's like, I can get, some of this stuff is very introspective and like relatable kind of stuff. Like not really like Drake where it's like, so, so in the, in the kind of emotional realm, but it's very relatable, introspective, like a J Cole, but J Cole, I think does it much better with more talent. And then there's like energetic bangers, uh, I think the track is like what you want and, and especially bad guy with Denzel and mm-hmm. an artist like Denzel Curry is a perfect example that I just think he does it so much more entertaining. And I think that's kind of just where it, it just, I feel bad because I, I, I see the talent, but it's none of it's exceptional. So it kind of makes me not really feel a reason to go back to this. I, I, I got more interested the more I listened to it. I just re- I'm really interested in these kind of albums. Uh, he's in a really interesting place in his career. I, you're, I, by the way, I, I don't disagree with anything anybody's saying. Mm-hmm. I was on uh, Genius today, looking up the lyrics on this album. You, you remember Geek, where I say like it's important to have people that you can read. Like, Absolutely, that rapper that's dope. He's not one of those guys. Like if you read. They're very elementary couplets, mm-hmm. right? It's like there's the word choice is just not there. Like it's really, you know, it's not stunning, right? Mm. Um, but I just I was really interested just in the fact that he kind of addresses your point, Rohan. Is mm-hmm. "Dirt on Your Name" is my favorite song on the thing. That was actually a good song. I like that one. Like and he starts it by saying what you what you see in him that you don't see in me. Just the frustration directed at the audience right off the bat. He says, would you rather be an unknown or somebody that everybody knows for just being okay? Mm, okay. <sighs> Clean your image. Then there's dirt on your name. It don't ever wash away. It don't ever wash away. I mean, there's a lot of these, man. What you want? We need this and we need that. We need a hit. We need the old vibe that you bring back. We need you to be a slave to the music that you make. We need you to be the voice that's paving the way. What we don't need is you to be different than the guy that was 17 signed and recorded school high. Mm. And it, yeah, that's, I'm, I'm just fascinated by like, just looking your audience in the face and being like, what, what is this? Why are we stuck in this loop, right? And this is kind of what happened with the pro-era people. It might be a little different than the Dreamville people because the Dreamville people got a chance to set their sound themselves, right? Mm -hmm. And set the rules of their sound. But when Joey Badass dropped 1999, it was a rocket ship. It was, I was there, I was covering mixtapes. I was, I wrote the review on Free Music Empire it was, it took everything by storm, right? It was insane. And it's, if you go to datpiff.com, it's one of the highest downloaded uh, mixtapes they ever had. Yeah. Uh, and everybody wanted them to be exactly like that forever. Yeah. People got into that were like, 
The kids love our sound. The kids respect us. So we want them to do this, right? And it trapped them because they were young. And they wanted to do different things. And, they just and, and what I would say is like, if you look at other like rap labels, like I look at, like, I think the, the gold standard for like rap labels right now is probably uh, Top Dog, Top Dog Entertainment. Um, they're they're like the gold standard where if top if they release something, it's going to be like a hit, or it's going to be critically acclaimed. And I think like the origins of that start from you have to like you start with like a, a tree, or you start with like the leader. And for Top Dog, it was Kendrick Lamar, and then all of the other artists are branches from that tree or they, they play off of their top dogs, no pun intended, energy. Mm. And so like they're, they're all from the same tree, but there's differentiations because you know, they're different branches from the same tree. And I think with, you know, with the pro era, um, and I, I mean, I haven't heard all of the rappers, but I've heard Joey Badass and Nick Caution they're really like, you can tell from the, they're from the same tree, but their sound doesn't lead to a lot of differentiation between them. Which is why I think Rude Boy stood out, right? And people mm -hmm. really took to it because it was such a different sound. Uh, and shout out to CJ Fly really does a really good job differentiating that. I think, to your point, Keith, I think Capital Steve's living longer would have helped with I think he was he was a very different individual, uh, and it would have helped a lot. Um, but who yes, was who was Capital Steve's? He was no. a member of their crew, and he committed suicide. Okay, yeah, very young. I think they're all. He might have been eighteen, if not seventeen, when Joey yep. released nineteen ninety nine, and he had like a couple, like he had his own mixtape too. That was yep. was pretty good, but he had a couple like very very good, uh, renowned features on that 1999 album that like got mm -hmm. him so much acclaim. Yeah, real real sad, real sad yeah. for sure. Mm. And I was actually yeah. like, I was, I think I'm literally two months younger than Joey Badass, so I was a child when that album came out or that mixtape. And I remember all of my school, like all of a sudden people who didn't even care about rap were all like, oh yeah, I listen to Nas now. Like he was like, he literally was Boom Bap Revival for mm -hmm. my generation. So he, yeah, that album was crazy. And I think you're right, um, Dan, that it is different than Dreamville because yeah, Cole's obviously the biggest name, but pro like Cole didn't necessarily come, like people didn't think of a Cole sound when they thought of Cole. They just thought of his songs and him as a person but with joey it was like the sound and the lyrical quality but it was the sound that was a huge yeah. selling point so it was like instant pigeonhole and uh yeah and, and i find yeah with steez it would have been different because the fact that tde like yeah kendrick's the dog but schoolboys like from the get-go was very successful too and his sound is vastly different absol all of them around 2012 yeah had very good received projects that were very popular yep. commercially. And then J-Rock was the OG from there. So he already had like a following from like his yep. relationships with Lil Wayne even. So 
that that's a good point. The pro era was kind of destined to be pigeonholed right from the get-go, which is, which is unfortunate. J-Rock might have like as close to a perfect 10 discography as you can get. Like his discography is fantastic. Nine double Oh five nine is amazing. And I don't, I, I heard people, then it came up, people were disappointed. I was like, I don't even, it's one of those where I think I was listening to a different album. I was like, production very good his lyricism was very good he matured he got personal i was like i don't know what yep. people, that was a great I feel like album. there's been a few j-rock albums like that where I, I listened to them i was disappointed i walked away from it i came back in a month or two and i was like this is unbelievable <laughs> <laughs> is it because it he's he's very subtle with what he does even his last album where he was doing trap stuff yeah and bouncier stuff at first, I was like, nah. And then I was listening. I was like, holy shit, man, this is good. Uh, and it was one of my favorites. Um, but yeah, this doesn't seem like an album that'll grow anything. Anywhere but here is pretty immediate. Mm-hmm. Um, there isn't a lot of beneath the surface. But today, I was listening to it. I was like, man, I'd love to I'd love to talk to him about this. I just think this is a, there's so much weird stuff here. The end of Session 47, he's been with my girl. She wants something more. No, she deserves everything that she wants, but I just struggle to even the score. All the feelings I try to ignore always come knock at the door. What the fuck am I still doing this for? End of the song. That is the end of the song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was like, and I was just like, man, that is so insane. Like, I, I could never do that. You know? To, to just be like, I should probably be better. She's great, but I'm not great. And you know what? <laughs> Who the fuck are you? And this is it. Shut it off. Like, man, you're in a weird place. Like, um, but I love it. I, I I just think that's a real hard thing to do. It's really hard when artists are good, but not great, right? And they they know it. Their audience knows it, right? Like, like he knows Denzel Curry is better at that sound than he is. Yeah. Bad guy is my least favorite song of the album because of that. Like it's, it doesn't fit. It doesn't make sense. The skit before it doesn't make sense. Um, But he knows he's around dope artists with, with real followings. He knows he has an audience that that is okay with him. And that's hard. That's hard. Being in a relationship with someone who's, who would upgrade if they could. Damn. Yeah, that that's the way you put that. That's true. It really, I mean, yeah, props to him for kind of wearing his insecurity on his sleeve. It's definitely risky musically, but it's just, I bet it was pretty difficult to do on a personal level. So I, I really hear that. It reminds me a lot of like sports too. Like I'm thinking of like the, like, I don't are you guys NFL football fans at all? Yeah. Yeah. Like it reminds me of like a Kirk Cousins. Like I think of Kirk Cousins. <laughs> I almost feel like I know he knows that he's not elite, but he's definitely pretty good. And yep. I find like the insecurity, you can just almost feel it sometimes when they play in big moments. And it's a, yeah, it's a shitty place. Cause if, if you even, it's almost sometimes better to be shitty. Cause then at least people don't get, don't, no one cares that you're not good because they know you're not good. Whereas they're like, oh, Nick Caution, you're like pretty good. You should be better. No one says that about like the worst QB in the league. So, no, yeah, yeah tough it's spot. tough. 
And, and I think and it's, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, if you're going to be like mediocre to good, but not like great, you have to have like a unique sound. As I said, like you have to figure out what your, like what your, what your appeal is and really lean into that. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't think he's, he hasn't, he hasn't found that yet. So. And I feel like it was close. He has the cover art. The cover art's very good. Mm -hmm. He has the title track. The title track is good, right? He just needed less uh, posturing stuff. There's some posturing stuff in here that doesn't make sense. That doesn't like. There's what? What are the songs? I'm looking at. I want to look at the track list. But like, there's songs on here that are where he kind of goes back to the club, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And pops bottles and brags about stuff. And I was like, man, I want you to just lock in. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah like make an album that's incredibly insecure and like just lean into that the whole time. Make it like a, a character uh, portrait of yourself. Like that's interesting. That's, that's definitely Larry working. David. Go full Larry David with that. Right? <laughs> it just ceaseless, you know? Uh, yeah. And, and cut, cut all the rest of it out. Um, and he's he's almost gets there, and, and I liked liked how he discussed the his the loss of his father in this. Uh, they're just yeah, he just needed to to let go of and shed um, a lot of the con, a lot of the posturing. I guess is what I would call it. I want to say it, I want to be nicer, but that's what it is. Um, and that brings me to the, the third album I think is really interesting to compare with anywhere but here because Portis Huss I, I, I think I said this in the breakdown that I sent off Huss Kingpin is like a, like a Ronin he's like a masterless samurai who wanders the rap landscape doing whatever the hell he wants to um, and I have a very strange relationship with us. Uh, so I don't always listen to him, but I binge him sometimes. I am in a Huss binge phase right now where I can't get enough Huss. Like he's, he's fascinating. And it, it started in the lead up because I follow Huss Kingpin on uh, Twitter as everybody should. Um, and he was posting these snippets and I was just like, Holy shit. And I started jumping into the 2020 stuff. He's got this album called threesome, which has like big daddy Kane, Madonna and Naomi Campbell, like having sex on the cover or something. I mean, like foreplay at least anyway, um, shout out to foreplay, everybody out there having foreplay anyway. Um, but yes, yeah, so Huss, Huss is great. And he's great because he doesn't care. He doesn't care what you think. He doesn't care what I think. He does whatever he wants. He goes in these really interesting artistic directions. Um, and he never worries about it. Um, and you and Portis Huss is a perfect examination of that. Yeah. Of him as just a madman. Uh, doing things that no one does. Um, yeah. I, I'm very impressed with this album. Um what were your takeaways, Mr. Mr. K. Biggie? 
I, I think what, I think what's special, not special. What, I think what makes him solid to me is that like, he know he knows what he wants to do. Like he has that vision. So I would say like lyrically, like, you know, Feral Monch and Nick can't, Oh, I said Nick, Nick caution. I almost, you almost said Nick Cannon. Cannon. I almost <laughs> said Nick Cannon. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody uh, take Nick a drink. Caution. <laughs> <laughs> Nick caution. I, I thought like lyrically they were better, but I thought Huss Kingpin, he had the vision for what he wanted his album to sound like. And he had an idea of the vibe uh, and the mood that he was trying to create and he stuck to it. And so for that, for that reason, that made his body of work stronger than the other two in my eyes. Even though it wasn't like technically better, lyrically, I should say. I've I, I've got very interesting thoughts about the lyricism on this album. Ro, how did you how did you come down on this? How has it grown with you? Have you listened to this a lot? This album, out of all of them, is by far the one I've listened to the most. I my relationship with Huss is I've always appreciated him, but I've I mean I've listened to a few projects of his and always came away with it liking it but not not the same with nick caution where i'm like i can get better versions of this other places i just i just thought they were always good but there's nothing special about the projects other than maybe uh smooth tape i don't know if i'm saying that right that one start of 2020 that was a really dope project but this one was something different and i was instantly intrigued by the portis head i love portis head one of my favorites ever so definitely interested in how he was gonna weave in that inspiration and when i played this i played this like three times in a row and i don't usually do that but i played the album front to back like three times in a row i was just so intrigued and i find he shows that there's there's like a there's an avenue for growth for rappers that doesn't always mean you need to change lyrically at all because this is pretty consistent with what he's done uh, in the past, at least when it comes to content. But the sound is is special. I think the sound is really cool, um, making it kind of like feel like this like dark room, dusty jazz cafe, mm-hmm. uh, really nice like twinkly keys, uh, like all these all these like nice breathy vocal samples, a la a Beth Gibbons. Like, yep. I always love. I love like just the the musical sound palette. It's actually incredible. I really, really like the beats here mm-hmm. and it just fit, fit him perfectly. And it showed like, yeah, okay. I, I did something new. There's something fresh about this album, but he's still talking his talk. It's still street rap, but he does street rap. Well, I think he's out of all these projects. I actually like this one the most lyrically, even though Monches is more like technically sound. I right. think he just has so many, he is, he's the guy who makes, makes good word choices, turns of phrases, and just has like a poetic vibe to his lyrics that I really enjoy. And I think it just came off perfectly over these like silky smooth, like mm-hmm. like like he's like a mob boss kind of vibe. It's like just very classy, tasteful feeling. It was I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. It's it and I will go I'm gonna go a step further here. I'm gonna say in my mind right now, because I'm always that I am this guy. Portis Huss is the album to beat. 
Portis House to me is the best album of 2021. I agree with that. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree. And if you are coming out with an album and you want it to be the best, you got to be Portis Huss. And I would, I can make the case here. The, the production, love the Smoky Jazz Cafe image because it really fits uh, what I'm, what I want to talk about here, which is there is this beautiful dark romance to his lyrics. Mm. And it's always been like that. Portishead, he seizes on Portishead because it fits and accentuates that the best, right? So, and I think the most important song on it that that differentiates it from anything you can find in New York, right? Um, She spoke to me in body language, no English. We keep it ancient. I can hear your voice slipping away, shifting. I can lust over your trust. Taught me how to fly magic clouds. I'm just blowing off wings, red carpet in the sky, making my rounds. Barriers. That's that's from Barriers. There's some very romantic stuff in here. There's some very seductive poetry going on in here. Absolutely. But he's evil. He's also evil. And he's killing people and he's destroying <laughs> so the cool thing about this is the mixture by the end of it this guy's like dracula by the end of it that's actually true i i didn't think of it like that because i was definitely wanting to talk about how this album ends because it, it does not sound it is a tale of two halves uh quite well, quite literally and the way you had it, like the way you said it there was perfect because it's the sound that accentuated that. Cause I also had to do kind of like a double take. I'm like, is he always this nice on the mic? Like, is he always this like seductive and just like so slick, but I'm like, he is, it's just the, the sound palette. And also I think the mixing, the mixing is just the vocals are sound so unique. They're like, even the, the guests too, it's like it cuts. It's like so like breathy. I don't know if he's like so close to the mic or something. Like I don't know what it is, but it makes all of this feel like someone's like like whispering sweet nothings in your ear or something. And then yeah. they kill you at the end of the album. Like because <laughs> that is why it gets more like violent at the end, more aggressively. And I guess that's a good way of looking at it. He's like so, and the thing, the reason I think this is lyrically brilliant, right? is because lyricism isn't really all about technicality. It's it's about where you put the camera, right? Like yeah. you're framing your mm-hmm. imagery and he's always surprising me. Right. He's always surprising me. And the reason that I fall out of love with Huss is that his voice never changes. Right. He never sounds concerned or worried about anything. Mm-hmm. So there always comes a point where I'm like, this is kind of too much of the same deal. Yeah. But in this, he turns it into a strength, right? Yeah. And two, two examples lyrically. Uh, who made you look first song? I wrote this nocturnal smoke high in my sleep. 
that's just a crazy, <laughs> insane, awesome thing to say. Um, but there's a song called Heroes. And I tell you, this is with two of the hottest people right now on the oh, East yeah. Coast, right? This is Willie the Kid, who's on a crazy run. I fucking love Willie the Kid. Ransom, who is who is totally rejuvenated with Nick Nick Craven mm-hmm. uh, and releasing amazing stuff. Those guys torch this song. Huss comes on and he says, your favorite rapper wears a shirt in the pool, no bra. <laughs> and I, I was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> but he's... He's he's just always in a different direction, and you can never quite pet him down. Um, he's disgusting. He's uh, beautiful, right? Like he's yeah. meet the poet. If I ruled the kingdom, I'd flutter with petals of rose and tornadoes. I caught you hanging off the cliff of your heart. I was hypnotized by your highness. That's insane. Yeah, that's insane. Uh, you mentioned the, Cool the Keith too. Mentioned Cool Keith too on the disgusting tip. Like, first of all, I'm really happy that Cool Keith is getting the shine, like the the spotlight randomly, like on Mount Marcy. You got it. the feature, and oh. yeah, he, he has so many, so much influence when it comes to like that absurdist, <laughs> uber yep. sexual, like comical, like yep. like stream of consciousness stuff. People have taken bits and pieces from his style, so. That's sick that I really appreciated Huss doing that. And it, it, you could see it too. He's obviously not nearly as gross about it, but he he definitely takes from it. Uh, and also one thing about the the the, the women, the, the seductive nature, you know the track Ageless? It has rock on that? Yes. That, that song, I don't know if you guys will agree with me here. It felt like, gave me a very strong early 2000s vibe. Of like a song that like Scott Storch would would produce, yep. like just the keys. Yep. It was like that classic, like very melodic production, in like the traditional like keys way that like a like early mid two thousands Fifty Cent, um, yeah, like a Scott Storch produced thing would have. Because, damn, that song was so smooth. Yeah. It was so smooth, and the beat was just like such a classic headnar, really simplistic, just the snare, but. Perfect. Just like executed perfectly. It's one of my favorite songs. Absolutely. And at first, I was I was very grumpy old man about him pulling the evils and using it for the struggling. But when I listened to it again, the way he freaked the beginning of it, where it kind of he kind of mixes it and brings it back a little bit, and it's like dun 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 dun, and then goes in. Um, oh, it's yeah. At least, you know, stuck in my own passage, I started battling fears I never had, switching faces each day, which mask. Um, Huss, that's another thing that you'll love about Huss, K-Diggy. This is a man who understands Jay-Z better than anybody. (laughs) Back when, like, back years and years ago, him and Smooth, who they have one of the best relationships in New York rap, they did like a reasonable doubt tribute mm-hmm. mixtape that was, was scarily good. <laughs> Uncomfortably mm. good. 
like these guys really understand what made Jay special at that time. Uh, so, uh, I always said that Jay back then was one of the only rappers with emotions. Huh. That's an interesting What do you buy? I mean, in what way? So the 90s, I mean, and I love 90s rap. I'm old. <laughs> I'm here with you old people. But 90s rap had a lot of a lot of Superman lyrics, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people running through walls of enemies, right? right? Just invincible and never worrying about it. And I call that the Rambo plot problem mm. of like, I watch a Rambo movie and I'm not worried about it. There's no tension. Right. Mm. There's no like, stakes. Like, go ahead, put the slugs on him, dude. You're, you're out of here in a, in a right. minute. Like, don't worry about it. So, that's the problem with listening to those guys. You're like, yeah, you're telling me a story and I'm pretty sure you're winning at the end. Uh, he's Jay was able to really get into emotions and switching when he's like, you know, I never smoke weed. All right. I'm smoking now. Well, don't judge me. And he, he was able to go back and forth emotionally through the song in these characters in ways other people were uncomfortable doing. Huss does that all through this. Yeah. Yeah. does do that and he I, does it on tracks where big important tough guys are there and he doesn't care he doesn't care i think your but point about to oh, sorry go sorry no i say i think your point about jay i haven't thought about it like that but i think that that's really accurate because i find so i don't know if i agree like i don't know maybe it's just a word choice i don't know if i agree with your original comment about like uh didn't show emotion or i don't know exactly how you put it but what I would say is that I feel like I feel like a, like an infamous, like Mob Deep infamous. I feel like that is very emotional, but it's like they just tell you stories that make the listener go like, holy shit. Like right. the yeah. uh, Cradle to the Grave, that skit, that shit, sad. That's so sad. I genuinely like get goosebumps. I'm like, that's such a sad thing to even think about. But they don't tell you they're sad they don't explain that and all it's just not their their framing of it jay i think jay i feel like he's like and i feel like with those rappers like mob deep in them they're not trying to talk to you like you they're talking to you as if you are part of that life and mm-hmm. they're just telling you it and then you just react to it obviously because you're not part of it how you would jay i feel like is part of a similar life but he's talking to He's talking in a way where he's actually trying to talk to people that aren't part of that life. He's mm. like explaining a little more. I don't find he shows too much emotion as much, but he kind of talks about the thought process, the anxiety, the guilt, like regrets, obviously is an obvious example where you yes. can, you kind of hear his thought process going on. Uh, whereas mob deep wouldn't try to get into that because they're not concerned with that. And that's just not their focus. But Jay right. was like, he was like talking to like his business. So it's like, he's talking to his, like his business associate or his mother about what he does every day to make money and make ends meet and that's still sad and there's still a lot of like tension and drama but he's actually trying to talk to you in a little more of a less uh yeah less superhero way because that's not how you would tell that to your mother i mean i mean that's what i loved about jay is that he's able to go macro and micro very quickly and very easy like he's able to give you He's able to give you the feeling of what it's like to be inside of that emotion. But then like the very next line, he's able to step outside of it and explain the, the emotion to you in like an objective way. Like 
you look, you listen to the evils, like the uh, the second verse uh, where he's talking about the relationship that he had, you know, with his childhood friend and how that evolved. Like, on, there's only Jay Z that, and 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 kind of going back to Nick Caution, that is something that you can only get from Jay Z. That right. second, the second verse of the evils, no one else, pretty much no one else on the planet is going to be able to break things down the way that Jay did. And, and I, I want to piggyback row on the, the mob deep stuff, because I actually bought, um, I bought prodigy's autobiography. Oh, wow. And he wrote it. He's too stubborn to let anyone really uh, <laughs> do it otherwise. So the wild part is it's written just like he talks in interviews and he never, you know, ne he never feels connected to his own emotions. Mm -hmm. he, he'll be like, my dad told me about the birds and the bees. He dropped the gun in my lap and said, let's go. And we robbed a jewelry store. It was wild. <laughs> like a normal person telling you that story would have so much more to like, the what they went through yeah. emotionally he never feels connected to his own emotions it's sad but you are the one deciding that it's sad yeah yeah that's yeah. exactly it <laughs> so huss knows how to give you the emotions he wants you to have um and unlike the the difference between anywhere but here obviously craftsmanship word choice uh, you know, there's no rose petals in a tornado in anywhere but here, right? It's it's we're on a different level. Um, but there's just the amount of control, fearless control that he has, that he exerts over this project is. I mean, he's the captain of this yeah. ship. Yeah. And one thing yeah. I wanted to ask but, you, I don't know, you wanted to go, Katie. No, go ahead. Oh, no, I, I was just going to say, yeah, I agree with you. I think the vision, he, he had a vision for how he wanted the album to sound, and he stuck to that vision. Right, yeah. And, and the, one, the, the thing I wanted to, to, to talk about real quick is this album's, I think, exactly an hour, 60 minutes long. Do you guys think, and I actually, I don't know what, I saw it in a previous episode that you guys did, um, and I think Dan, you mentioned that like if it's over an hour, it better be saying something. It better be saying some shit. Say, and yeah, I yeah. and I pretty much feel the exact same. I'm like my my perfect, uh, obviously stupid thing to say. It's an album. Like I'm not made the album yet. But if a perfect album is like thirteen or like fifteen songs in like forty to forty five minutes, that's my sweet spot. I love that. Just like around three minutes, maybe even shorter tracks. But anyways, that notwithstanding. Do you guys think it was actually it made it it was worth it? Like it should have it would justify that length, or could it have been trimmed? No, I mean I for me, i I think that he was trying to create a mood, a vibe. So like you put there's some albums like you listen to in the car or something, or there's some albums like you just sit and like, let's say like a random Thursday night, like you don't have anything to do. You're just gonna sit and chill, maybe sip a little something and then listen to the album. I think he knew he knew like exactly the context and setting that he wanted to hear, 
that he wanted people to listen to his album in. So I I don't think it's I don't think it's too long because I as I said I think he he had a vision for what he wanted what he wanted the album to sound like and he had a con he had a vision of the context that people would listen to that album in. Yeah, no, it, it's it's an important question, right? Because this is over an hour. Um, and it isn't necessarily like a pimp, to pimp a butterfly kind of giant. Yeah, message. it's not conceptual in that same way. No. But um, one of the things my sister said was really interesting. I was talking to her about people falling off because they have, because they kind of do the same thing over and over again. And she said, people wrote sonnets for hundreds of years. Everybody kept kept fucking with it because if you're great at it, they'll keep wanting it. Mm. If you're great at it. Um, and so that was, I always try and keep that in mind. And I think there's just too much he's great at here. Um, in terms of the sequencing, I still can't believe, every time I listen to it, I can't believe that it ends on the snotty jail freestyle. What an incredible way to end it. Just this dude from jail freestyling over the phone, us listening to it, like to just be like, that's it, you know? <laughs> that's the last voice on this album. That's incredible, dude. He just and that, that's the confidence that he has where he'd be able to, to be able to end it like that. Cause even even when I heard that, like the last song, I was like, Oh, this is this is the end. Like right. the last the last voice we're gonna hear is of someone you know rapping from from jail okay like i was kind of shocked but then like i was like oh okay i get it take some balls, and, balls yeah. absolutely no and, and so the track sequencing is beautiful it's brilliant short songs uh you know long songs posse cuts mean disses to crime apple you know the, the gram tape um He's all over it. He, but what I also love about this album, he he brings people on who are known for their giant gruff voices. Vinnie Paz. Oh, yeah. Uh, Breeze Bruin. Like, these are people with big voices who deliver. Uh, big Twins. Big Twins big also. Twins big Twins is made my favorite feature here. God, that was just mean. Incredible. Feature. It was an incredible feature. And and what he does time after time, if you listen to these cuts, he doesn't come on and do what they did. He goes the exact opposite way. Yeah. Yeah. I feel was, that. I yeah. feel like he, he really held his own against, yeah, there's so many heavyweights here. Chasing Goats is one of my favorite songs, and it's not because it just Breeze Bruin, although he was amazing. Huss kills mm -hmm. it, too. Yep. Uh, I think the features overall were you were I think either good or amazing. Right. Uh, the only kind of exception I have was I'm not really remembering which feature. Like I just know kind of the songs. I agree in general that I think the length was justified because he's just doing too many things that are good here. And yep. you actually gave me a unique like a different sorry perspective on how it was sequenced because I was a little more confused going into this. It was like. I just didn't really understand why it finished the way it did, but right. you kind of did kind of give a little narration to what that could be. So I'm going to, 
I think that already changes my mind about that quite a bit. But I will say the last couple, two, three songs were definitely the weakest. I like the last song, Snotty Jail, though. But Sunkissed, Intruder, Shooter's Harmony, those are just okay. Like, they were pretty good. But I just found one or two of those could have just been out and you could have just ended it like with Shooter's Harmony and I would have been like, damn, great fucking album. End it with Snotty Jail after that. Uh, but mm-hmm. but still, Features did, like I was a little disappointed because I just, I'm not, I'm usually averse to too many Features, but it's, uh, I think they all did their thing. And I have like really no real complaints. Maybe trim a song or two, but right, just very, very surprised how much I like this masterfully selected rain black widow uh black widow kills it on with her verse um on belly i mean it's all belly's beat is is like something else like i i actually listened to this album on my my headphones that i'm wearing now pretty good headphones audio technicas are solid right uh but then i listened to it on my pioneer like my my nice decently nice speaker setup and I didn't notice how amazing this production was until I yeah. like, especially belly. Like there's this, this like synth that kind of just like goes in and out. That is like so psychedelic. Like you really should listen to it on a good setup. So you can hear the, the space and the sound stage. Like it's very well mixed and good the point. detail is just phenomenal. There's so many like amazing beats here. Beth Gibbons, belly struggling, chasing ghosts barriers i'm saying like all the album but like uh, grand yeah. tape like there's so many so many i definitely did prefer yeah. the first half like just in general but that's just because it's more my style mm-hmm. i did still yeah. appreciate the second half although it, it wasn't as my like exactly my preference but still not one of those where it fell off it definitely was worth it for the whole time no I'm, i mean I'm, I'm with you the first half to me is what solidifies it as the album so far because it's so unique. I kept thinking about uh, the Griselda team. <laughs> um, I kept thinking about them and I kept thinking, man, like you'd never hear this out of Benny. You'd never hear this out of Conway. Like you would never hear these, like um, the, there was Scorsese RIP. One of the last things he said, which really stuck in my head. He was, he was great for a hot fire Twitter take, uh, Philly rapper. And he said, Stove God cooks his, his hooks, his, uh, his ability to just create melody in these choruses and bridges is what separates him from the New York circle jerk. <laughs> and I was like, wow, the New York circle jerk. And I kept thinking about it. I kept like, it's it, it feels like, you know, a pretty standard New York goon rapper puts on a fancy scarf and is like, you see, I got this fancy scarf. This is my art, you know? Um, and they're really just making the same music they were before. Um, mm-hmm. They just have a fancy scarf. So there's a lot of that going on. There's a lot of like, I'm selling my vinyl for a ton of money. And uh, what is it? Uh, Al Davino. Did you hear about Al Davino's thing? It was like two two hundred thirty seven bucks for a, a vinyl, I think. And it's called yes, it's being sold for two hundred thirty seven dollars. But I think the album is called two hundred thirty seven, but in Roman digits. Oh, oh, Gosh. I didn't know that. That is what 
I think that is what Scorsese would describe as the New York circle jerk, right? Of like the fanciness for no reason kind of situation. Um, and Huss, Huss knows exactly what he wants to do, right? Mm-hmm. He is dialed in. Uh, he, he gets as mean as you could want him to be, but he also gets heartbroken and romantic. Um, it's, it's a ride along and you just, you're, you're like Ethan Hawke in training day. You're just like, wow, this, what is going on? Um, I love it. But yeah, it's Dracula. He's Dracula in this thing. I feel that. I feel Absolutely. that. So, yeah, I would, uh, I'm going to go to the recommendation corner. And since it's a celebration, Hus Kingpin, um, I'm going to go with HNIC. Hempstead, African-American gentleman in charge. Um, And it is smooth and Hus Kingpin. And it is from 2016. And you can, you can hear the bones of what, of what makes Hus so weird because there's a song track eight on this thing is colors of a butterfly. And Huss just starts talking about the colors of a butterfly. He's weird too. <laughs> he sees it. He sees the world in a different way, and I love it, man. I can't. I can't get enough. So, uh, I'm. I'm. I'm binging the Huss right now. There will come a time where I'll do something else, but I don't know because it's fun. Do you have any uh, recommendations? Rap music plug. Hit me. So are we talking, what is this, uh, like, are you just recommending anything? Recommend anything you want people to listen to. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Oh, shit. I should have wish I was prepared. Um, okay, Diggy, do you have anything? Because I have my iTunes do open. I'm going to do, like, a five-second oh, search here. Um, recommend. Shoot. It, you're, like, 2021, like, it's got off to a slow start. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, okay. there hasn't there hasn't really been... Like, I was surprised that all three of these albums were released uh, in 2021. Uh, and that, that's actually a point that I wanted to kind of bring up. And we can go, we'll give, them, we'll give everyone time to think about the recommendations. But, sure. like, how, in the, in the landscape that we're in, how do new artists break? You know what I mean? Like, how do, like, uh, like I was thinking, like, a Nick Caution... How does he get more shot? Like, how does he get on in today's musical setting? Uh, well, so you're talking about a new artist, a new version of Yeah, or, or even like an uh, artist that's looking to make that leap. I've got a theory. Do you, uh, do you, do you have anything to, to bring to it, bro? You can, you can go first. All right. So here's what I would say. The dynamic of this stuff is that uh, summer is a big time for albums, right? Record labels, they're they're rolling, right? Mm-hmm. The budget. Um, then they have some late albums, late in the year albums. Uh, the albums that record labels, that major record labels put out in January and February, tend to be albums shelved by the label. Uh, artists that are not in favor, not <laughs> mm-hmm. so you there's they're just kind of dumped out there mm-hmm. 
this is an advantage for the independent artist. Yeah. If you are independent and you drop a dope album in January, February, you, you can make a name the whole year. Okay, Diggy, look at when uh, when did Anderson Pat drop that album that everybody loved? Album, Not NX uh, Movies, the other album? one. I actually the one, which one? I feel like that was in February. I actually think you're right. Like the you're talking about the one with the piano. He's on the piano on the cover. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So the one That'll like do. his blow, he blew up. Yep. Yep. Mm. I feel like that was dropped early in the year. Um, and, and it kind of ran the rest of the year. Let me, yeah. uh, d- d- oh, it's Malibu. Yeah. Malibu, January 15th. Wow. That is, wow. yeah. Shit. Good call there. Good call. So, yeah. That's, and, and I just remember him, DJ Booth was writing about that. You know, Malibu still the best album of the year. Like, and it would just, it was just kind of kept rolling. So if you're an independent artist, this is your pocket. Because the labels, they don't want any part of January, February. Good point. That's, that's so you got to give you got to give you got to give it your best shot. Okay, that's a very Come good swing. Come point. out swing. Come out swing. And you know, I, I I don't know if this will necessarily like it's a difficult ask because you have to find someone who's talented. But for a, from the rapper perspective, I feel like. At this point, it's becoming the norm to have like one producer albums again. Like that used to be like Run the Jewels is a big reason why that came back, in my opinion. But <laughs> that's my that's my favorite, like one of my favorite trends going on. And if you can just find a producer, he doesn't even need to be like like DJ Premier level. Like he can just be pretty good. But if you can have like a chemistry that that just separates you that at least makes people feel like they know what they're going into. Kind of like what we were talking about earlier, like ransom and Craven's a big example. I was, I was kind of late on them. I, but I was just hearing about them non fucking stop all year ransom and Craven. And I knew who ransom was. I'd heard about him, listened to him, liked it, but I never really went for him for any reason, but they just kept putting out work that, was just displaying such a high level of chemistry that it was just irresistible to go check it out. And now I'm really liking it. Obviously you have to be good, but like find a good up and coming producer, J.R. Swift's, I think it's J.R. Swift and I always say his name wrong. Him and Elzai, like that's the op, this is not the same example. Elzai's established, but like J.R. got a relationship with Elzai, made an entire project and I've never I didn't realize that I had heard of him a bunch of times. He's made beats with Griselda uh, quite a bit of good placements, but just making that in the inverse way, the, the rapper uh, tagging along with a producer, no one's as aware of now he's on my radar. Like I'm hundred percent highly anticipating anything he puts out. And it's just that one producer, one rapper chemistry for me personally, I'm always so much more attracted to check it out and have a good album cover. Cause that's just never, never changes for me i just like instantly will be so biased to be like ah yeah but like the the concept mm-hmm. jackson oblive album i don't know if any of you have heard oh, that yeah 
the that, album that cover just like i just love looking at it it's so fucking hot like like <laughs> i just want to look at it it's a magazine cover it looks so nice okay diggy you got to find this album cover uh concept jackson and obliv um uh, it's just magazine yep. reissue you'll find it like with that it's so good but i would yes i mean it, it's and the weird part is I'm in the same boat with Ransom and it's, I'm embarrassed because this started, I, I started this website in like 2010, right? And it was covering mixtapes. So I was, I know Ransom. I've known Ransom the whole time. And I, I was always like, yeah, it's Ransom. He's fine. Like I was always mm-hmm. in school. Um, it never really spoke to me. It never really broke out. But you press play on his stuff with Craven. And it's it's different world. And I think find a producer where you bring the best out of each other at the same time, right? Like mm. that relationship builds both of you. Run the Jewels is an example, right? Oh, yeah. Killer Mike has changed the way LP raps in a yeah. positive way, mm-hmm. right? LP's production has changed the way Mike raps and performs in a positive way. Like... The, the relationship builds positively Ar- Armand Hammer, right? Those guys build each other every album. And if you if you can do that, you're in good shape. You're in good shape. That's and that's what happened. Craven gives a different texture to, to ransom that sets off everything I missed. I feel that I have my recommendations if you're ready for that. Go for it. Yeah. Go. So I'm going to start with a non-rap one just because I I just Good. don't hear this album get talked about. But it's uh, it's Liv's Couldn't Wait to Tell You. It's a kind of like Neo Soul, but has these like psychedelic soul. But it's very hip hop. Hip hop fans will like this album. Like the production is like very psychedelic chops of jazz. And like the producer, I believe his name is something I can't pronounce, like Megwan. And yep. I know he's worked with Pink Saifu and Liv has made music with Pink Saifu, Fly yep. Annie, those guys. This album is phenomenal. It came out last year. So highly recommend that. And But a rap one, the I just I feel like you guys have talked about all the albums. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely should mention that. But you guys have talked about it, which is a good thing. I'll say the album, because we mentioned the artist, Willie the Kid's Capital Gains from last year. That album was sneaky good. That uh, another guy that I always liked, but didn't check out too much of his work in full until last year. Capital Gains is such a good album, and it actually does have kind of a low key theme about like money and like right. independence and freedom, kind of free uh, creatively. And production quality is just fantastic, and I just love his rapping style. And interestingly enough, I was listening to Dedication to by Lil Wayne for some like. Yep around when he released that mixtape that was completely bad uh no ceilings uh he he was on that album he's on that mixtape and i then i didn't realize that willie the kid's been out for so long i was like like, what the hell this is the same willie the kid i was like relentless relentless guy i mean that's a a great pick by the way the live uh that album was in my top five end of the year Oh wow! List. Yeah, I'd be up there for me for sure. I adore it. Uh, so I'm, I'm with you 100 on that. Um, yeah, 
thank you for being here. I, I, Absolutely, I, man. We always appreciate. I mean, you. We we see it. We see things a lot in the same direction. So I appreciated having you here for this crop of albums. Yeah, um, no, I I this was a blast. I had a lot of fun. It's my first time doing like a. This is more live, right, than my yep. uh, recorded by myself. So the new for me, but you guys were very uh, warm, welcoming, and really appreciate yep. it. Uh, and I would love to do this again if I'm ever so lucky. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Uh, I, I would just say, I would just like to say that uh, before we go, rappers, keep rapping about Mike Bibby. I appreciate every bar that you write about the career of Mike Bibby. He's a treasure, and, uh, and thank you. So this concludes today's episode of the Rap Music Plug podcast presented by QLC TV. I hope this episode gave you some fresh new perspectives on the latest rap releases, as well as a recommendation for the next great rap record to add to your collection. But now that I've spoken, it's your turn to have your voice heard. So let's stay in touch. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Roview, R-O-H-V-I-E-W, to connect with me on a personal level, where you'll be able to interact with my thoughts and perspectives on music, surely, but also on politics and sports as well. If you're an artist who wants to get their new song or album reviewed on the show, hit me up via email at qlctv.podcast at gmail.com or just send me a DM on Twitter or Instagram. I would love to give you public feedback through a review or private feedback if that's what you'd prefer. I would love to be a part of helping you grow as an artist. For exclusive content and updates related to the show, follow the Rap Music Plug podcast on Facebook. You can find all of this information along with exclusive playlists created by myself by clicking the link that's in the episode's notes. So that's all for today. Talk to you soon. 